Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be Those that don't praise and obey the Lord, yet they claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ while they still engage in iniquity, I say, warning, red flag, something's wrong with you. Something's off. You're not where you think you are. David said, I kept myself from iniquity. I kept myself away. This means he had to consciously strive to walk with God. If you live your life on your own terms... If you're committing what God's Word says is sin, then you are either not under covenant with God at all like you think you are, or you are severely abusing the grace covenant that Jesus died to buy you back with. Either way, you need to get right with Jesus and get your profession of faith to match your behavior. Your profession, I'm in Jesus, has to match what you do. And the reason why is because even unbelievers can spot a fake. David is not suggesting that him staying away from iniquity is what saves him. But what David is saying is that because he's been saved, he wants to stay away from iniquity. He kept from iniquity and the Lord rewarded him for it. Oh, okay. Here's the part I like, Ray. That's the one part of Christianity that everybody wants. They don't want the, the discipline part of walking with God. Just give me the rewards. Show me the money. What they expect is for God to reward them while they insist on living their life on their own terms. David lived life on his own terms. I want that woman and I want to kill her husband to cover it up. What happened? Bad consequences. It hurt bad. So if you want a blessing, if you want a reward, you just reward, reward, reward is all you think about. Then you have to do an about face. You have to spin 180 degrees around from doing things your own way and get busy to obeying God, which means you do what he tells you to do. Well, I don't know what he wants me to do because you're not reading the word of God. Salvation's free. That's the easy part. He died on the cross for that. But then after deliverance, after being saved from destruction, then rewards can be earned in addition to salvation. On top of it. It's like the other day at the steak place. Hank's like, I don't just want steak. I want onions on my steak. And the waiter forgot. And he's like, dude, I want onions. Oh yeah, I'll be right back. And he brought the onions back. Hank goes, man, these onions make that steak so much better. (laughs) Guys, you can be saved and you can get salvation. That's easy. But don't you want a little more? The rewards that come with it? David said, I kept myself from iniquity. Therefore, 
Therefore means something had to happen first. Therefore, the Lord recompensed me. He rewarded me. And the reason I feel, I mean, I feel like I have to drive this nail in further about if you want to be blessed by God, you cannot live your life on your own terms. You have to switch to living on His terms. Making Jesus Lord of your life means you switch to living on His terms. So this is how David was able to fight off and subdue his enemies because the Lord was his God. He submitted to his authority. Look at verse 30. He says, for by you, I can run against a troop. Now, I don't know how many makes a troop, but it's probably more than one, I guarantee you. It's not a fair fight. But David could run against a troop and he could take them on. David was able to take down entire groups of fighters. Why? Because the Lord empowered him over his enemies, not because of how awesome David was, but because he found it better to do things God's way than his own way. Friends, are you getting kicked around by your enemies? Maybe you should do things God's way for once. Your way hadn't fixed it yet anyway. Guys, this is a tough message to give because today most people don't want Jesus. That pastor in Nigeria. So what he wanted to ask me is, how do you do it in America? How do you do it? He told me that Muslims go to his church and burned it down and killed some of his people. They built the church back up. They came back. They burned his church down and killed more of his people. This is Nigeria, guys. This happens there. They built it a third time. And I said, okay, well, three, that's got to stand by now. You're still a pastor, right? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, then what? He goes, they came back again. And I'm thinking, oh, and they burned it down again and killed more people. He goes, no. I said, what happened? He said, they asked, why do you keep building this thing back up? And he told them, because we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, our God. And they got to hear the gospel. They got saved and became part of the church. Amen. Okay. And he asked me, how do you do it? I said, excuse me? How do I do it? Why do you ask that? He says, because people in America don't want Jesus. Because we go through all this, at least a lot of people here are wanting Jesus. I didn't know what to say, guys, to be honest. I really didn't know what to say. I asked him, how do you do it? He asked me, how do you do it? The the two of us couldn't come together on how does the other guy do it? Just because we're on other sides of the world, we didn't understand each other to that level. It was, more, it was more devastating to him that people here in America on the majority don't want to hear about Jesus. And to me, it was devastating that his church got burned down and people killed. People here don't care about Jesus. Just give me the blessing and leave me alone, they say. Just give me the blessing, God. Just bless me and leave me alone. Don't hit me with that Jesus stuff. People don't want Jesus. Just give me the blessing. David's talking about blessing and everybody wants that part. But you got to realize to get that blessing, you first have to be delivered. And to be delivered means you got to give your life to Jesus, which means you got to stop doing it your way and do it his way. Then the deliverance happens. Then from the obedience and the gladness of that deliverance, now you can work on rewards. Now the rewards come. That's the equation. Submit your life to God. And that will come. And here's even more reasons why you should do it. Second Samuel 22 and 31. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God is my strength. See, he's not claiming his own. God is my strength and power. And he makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer, 
and sets me on my high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. And I have destroyed them and wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet, for you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose against me. Now, I love in verse 31. First of all, do you see David saying, look how great I am? I did this myself. No, he's saying the Lord God did this. The Lord made me strong. The Lord is my shield. Friends, your salvation is your shield. It protects you. But I like in verse 31 where it says, the word of the Lord is proven. Proven. People often ask me, how do you know that your belief, that your faith is the right one? How do you know yours is the right one? I always tell them, because the word of God always does exactly what it says it's going to do. That's how I know. And you watch me long enough, you'll see it. This is why you need to know your testimony. It's the three-part story of who you were, how you got saved, and how salvation's changed you ever since. Those are the three parts. And David has been giving us his testimony in this chapter. He's been telling us what used to happen. Enemies coming at me. But the Lord saved me, he empowered me, and he has been keeping me ever since. That's David's testimony. He's talking about it. He's giving his testimony. Now, there's a lot of people that will question you. What makes your faith the right one? But yet they are defeated before their enemies. The reason they're asking you what makes your faith the right one is because they are looking for what you got. And you need to tell them why. When you make the Bible to be this trivial debate over opinions and religion, then you prevent people from knowing your testimony. Don't get into those. What about Pope so-and-so? What about Constantine this? Who cares? Listen to my testimony. Let me tell you what the Lord did for me. Because what the Lord's word, what the word of God says it will do, it did it. And this is who I was. And this is how he saved me. And this is how it's been ever since. The word of the Lord is proven. It's proven in your testimony in you. Say, the word of the Lord is proven. Give them your testimony. If you don't know what your testimony is, who I was, how I was saved, how I've been ever since. If you don't know that, come talk to me. We got to know that testimony. So that's why people often ask, they're looking for something they can trust. What makes your faith the right one? They're looking for authenticity. Show them, show them the word of the Lord God proven in your life. They can't argue with your story and they will come to want it. But David knew that his power to take down giants like when he killed Goliath, that didn't come from him. Prideful people always celebrate their own power, but David is celebrating not his power, but the power that God gave him to destroy his enemies with. Again, if you want the blessing, submit to the Lord God in obedience and in belief, then the victories will come. But when you look at David's words, you'll notice that these victories are not designed strictly for David. Your victories are not designed just for you. Oh, look at my little reward. It's going in my pocket. I'm going to use it for me. The victories and the rewards are not for you. David's victories are battles that David fought 
for the Lord. You take your victories and your rewards and you invest it back in the kingdom. David's victories were for the Lord. How else do you think he was able to take down Goliath? Today, people won't fight for the Lord. They say, who cares what that giant says? I'm going to go home and God give me a great blessing. I don't care about that giant out there. Y'all do know this church faces down giants face to face often. We go stand in front of Planned Parenthood and we pray against abortion in public in Houston. We stand in front of giants, guys. And we know that the power to do that doesn't come from us. It comes from God. Because quite honestly, I'd be too scared to do it if I didn't have God with me on this. People say, who cares what that giant is saying? God just bless me. Do you wonder why our nation's in the mess it's in? Who cares about the giant? Just give me what I want. Turn on the news. All the arguments, all the debates, political and what have you, is all basically one basic thing. I want what I want. That's iniquity. David said, I kept myself from iniquity. Being in submission to the Lord means you've got to be out doing the Lord's work. Could the Lord have struck down Goliath by himself? Sure he could. The Lord could have popped Goliath in the head with a lightning bolt, ended it. But the Lord needed the whole nation to see through a weak, young, little kid what power can be channeled through one guy that will call upon the name of the Lord. And that's why he had David strike this giant down. So that people could look and say, the word of the Lord is proven. I'm concerned that the world doesn't see the word of God as proven. And so I asked the Lord, Lord, if using my life some kind of way demonstrates you proven, then do it. How are we going to show the word of God proven if we're not doing? So the word of the Lord was proven through David. It can also be proven through you if you'll submit it to the Lord's will so that you can be enabled by his power, not your power, to destroy your enemies. You see the flow here. Second Samuel 22 and 41. You have also given me the necks of my enemies so that I destroyed those who hated me. They looked, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them. As fine as the dust of the earth, I trod them like dirt in the streets, and I spread them out. David's saying, I beat them and I stomped on them. Verse 44, you have also delivered me from the strivings of my people. You have kept me as the head of the nations. A people I have not known shall serve me. The foreigners submit to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. David's enemies, it said here, he's beaten them. <laughs> They came up to take him down, but he's stomping them. They looked for somebody to save them. They looked for anybody to save them. They even called out to the Lord to save them. And God would not help them when they called. Why? Because they were proving that they were enemies of God. They went down. What I'm getting at is there's a lot of people that will not repent. They will not give their life to the Lord. They will wait till it gets so bad that they have to, and then they'll do it. And that's not really doing it. Now, I want to show you a passage about who God's enemies are. Romans 5.10 says, For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Paul said that before we were saved, we were enemies of God. Enemies of God was you and I. 
When you get saved, you become a friend of God. But before that, our every motivation and action was hostile against the Lord. You know, I have shared the gospel of Jesus with people. And I asked them if they would like to submit to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And often their answer is not right now. Maybe later, I'll think about it. Give me some time. That's the nice way of saying no. There's some people I have put the gospel to, and I said, I want you to understand, if you say not right now, that's no. If you say maybe later, that's no. If you have it in your mind that you'll live your life your way with the thought of, well, I'll get right with God later, understand there might not be a later. That's what happened to these guys that came against David. There was not a later. Even when they called on God, nope, not now. Too many people think they can live on their own terms. And then when they find out that they need to, then they'll call out to God. But David said the enemy looked for someone to save them. There was no one, not even the Lord answered them. Why? Because their cry to God was not authentic. It was not a cry that was willing to get under his authority. It was just save our tail is all it was. God doesn't just want to save your tail. He wants you to submit to him as Lord. They came against God's covenant guy. And the only reason they cried out was because they wanted to be saved from destruction without repenting of their sin. I always say, there is no such thing as a non-repentant salvation. Jesus said in Mark 1.15, repent and believe in the gospel. He said, repent first. That's the prerequisite. The false gospel is a non-repentant salvation that says you can stay in your iniquity. David said, I kept myself from iniquity. But you can't stay in your iniquity, in your hostile sin and be saved. Right now is a good time to get right with Jesus. A lot of people don't understand commitment. They don't understand covenant. They don't understand the change that a true commitment will make. There's a lot of people nowadays, they want to live together, but they don't want to marry because they don't want to commit because what if I decide I want to get out? See, they don't commit. And when they don't understand commitment, they don't understand the Lord's commitment. It's a messed up deal. Do you know that fewer and fewer people are getting married nowadays? They just move in and live together. That's why fornication's wrong. Because it's a non-commitment, just give me the blessing. Just give me the benefits. But I don't want to commit. That's why God doesn't like fornication. But David was committed, and the Lord was committed to him. And so he proclaimed the deliverance of the Lord and how the Lord strengthened him for battle. And David gave a picture of how we believers need to be towards the Lord. If unbelievers understood the power of of God and his ability to deliver and destroy enemies, then they too would want this covenant and they would quickly submit to it. But how else are they going to understand it if God's own people ain't doing it? Let's make the word of the Lord proven. 2 Samuel 22 and 47, the Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. He is the tower of salvation to his king and shows mercy to his anointed to David and his descendants forevermore. What really gets me is that David proclaimed it among the Gentiles. He proclaimed it among the Gentiles. But there was a time when the Jews thought that Jesus was theirs. 
They believe the Bible is their book. I was sitting on a plane one time next to this woman. I was reading my Bible, and I thought, let me try to talk to her. And I started talking to her about the Lord. She asked a couple questions, and all of a sudden, she got mad. And I didn't understand what just happened. And you know what she said? She said, that's our book. That's not yours. That belongs to us. We were taught that. That book is ours. And I thought, uh-oh, because we were flying out of New York, and she was Jewish. And she recognized me, the Gentile, and says, that's not yours. That's ours. She wasn't going to have it. The Messiah is going to be our Messiah. He's going to save us. He's ours. It's kind of like, too bad, Gentile. Go find your own. Man, she was hardcore. (laughs) And we're on a plane. You can't go nowhere. (laughs) That was rough. But there was a point when the Jews said, he's our Messiah. But David said, I will proclaim this God, a Jewish guy. I'll proclaim him to the Gentiles even the foreigners. Did you know that Jesus came and died for us too? Of course he did. Don't forget the fact he is Jewish, but he did come for you and I, the Gentile. Even though we sinned and blew it, even though we have no righteousness of our own, like David under covenant, we can be held blameless according to his righteousness once we are under the new covenant in Jesus Christ. And once we're under that covenant, we need to keep ourselves from iniquity, just like David said, by walking in repentance. The question, are you keeping yourself from iniquity or do you have to have everything your way? Give your life to Jesus and walk his way. And that's what it means to make him Lord. As David says, the Lord lives. He's not dead. If it was a dead God, if there was nowhere to go, I wouldn't really have much to tell you to to do this for. Why? Why do it? Where are we going? The Lord lives, guys. That's where we're going. And that's what David said. The Lord lives. He's the rock of my salvation. Let God be exalted. Friends, let us lift the Lord up as he takes our enemies down. It comes from knowing that you've been delivered. You know what? It's okay to think about the bad things you did as long as you know you've been delivered from it because that will cause you to be glad. I've been thinking a lot lately about the dumb things I've done. (laughs) but I've been delivered from it. Thank you, Lord God, for saving me. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all you've done. This messed up group of people that sinned and did not care the first thing about you, Jew and Gentile alike, we wanted it our way. But you came after us and you saved us. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, as I think about the things I've done in my past, it generates a sense of gladness and joy in me for the fact that you came and saved me. Lord God, we need victory in our lives, not just salvation. I've got that. Thank you, Lord God. But I still live here on this earth. I've got enemies. I've got people out there that want to kill me right now if they could have it their way. And I'll let you deal with them. What you empower me to do, I'll do. Lord, you empower me to preach God's word, I preach it. You empower me to be on the radio with it and we'll take it to the radio. I'll do whatever you have me to do. But Lord, don't let me be idle Don't let me gravitate back to my iniquity. Lord, keep me. Help keep me from my iniquity so that I can walk in your ways. Your ways, not mine. And may we live in a way that proves the Word of God as proven. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I had no idea how I was going to get through this one today because this one is a son of a gun. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.